Hello everybody, my name is TJ, and this is my podcast, TJ Sweetwater's Truth, where I speak my truth, what I see, what I research, what I notice, what I observe, and people, places, and things, and hopefully, it will start letting people look at their truth and really question it outside of the box so I hope you enjoy it and hopefully people will start waking up Welcome back, guys. So, I tried to upload this uh, cassette video or cassette book, and it got taken down for um, hate speech or something like that. So, I just, I just gotta find a way for people to understand that this has anything that I put up here has nothing to do with how I feel about another person and it shouldn't make another person feel a certain way because this is supposed to be an an educational understanding of looking at things objectively without feelings so basically I'm going to try and upload it again and give the disclaimer of this is not hate speech it's not intended for it Uh, please have listener discretion be advised because I have no control over somebody else's feelings and that shouldn't make a difference about the information see this information isn't what the mainstream would like us to know and it's not going to be at your fingertips like they put what they want you to see at your fingertips. If anybody knows anything about Edward Snowden, if anybody knows anything about Google, they will understand that. So without further ado, I'll try and re-upload it with the original intro, but this before it. So viewer or uh, listener discretion be advised. This is a copyright USC 107 fair use for learning and educational purposes and nothing else. I'm not trying to make anybody feel anything. I can read all kinds of hate speech everywhere I look. I can hear it everywhere I listen. 
it's up to you and me to decide if we want to let that affect us. Because when the human brain goes into emotional state, it blocks out logic. And the powers that be know this. So, here we go. In this episode, we're going to learn about an old cassette book that was recorded probably in the 1950s, 60s. It was probably written a lot sooner. And it's called The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. But first, let's play a few tracks to the music that has been coming out since like 2018, 2017, but most recently, 2021. So we have a little bit of perspective of the environment. And then we'll get to the cassette book. This way you have a good perspective of what's being talked about. Sometimes going ain't a choice 
And every choice you make is one that you didn't avoid
position or I'm gonna start resisting and then I pray for forgiveness. In the early 1960s, there was providentially delivered into my hands a book that shocked my intellectual and historical status quo. After searching across America through the bookbinders, it became evident that I possessed one of a kind. We have been unable to find a copy of this book in any library or in any bookseller in America. If such exists, we would desire knowing of its whereabouts. The book, so diabolical in nature, launched me into a continuing historical research that has never ended. What I have uncovered has been both startling and shocking. With it has come the focusing of history and current events into a clear whole. We see the end from the beginning. Unable to find the necessary capital for the republishing of this book and not having the facilities for such, we have decided to use the means at hand for recording it for posterity. By recording it on cassette tape, we make it available for private and public use. What you're about to hear is the most diabolical plot ever uncovered. Its many tentacles reach out into all the arenas of life, in every hall of government, in every school, and into every theological seminary, and even into our military. Its agents have infiltrated every warp and woof of our nation. I intend to read the book word for word, except the latter portion dealing with excerpts from the Overman Committee reports. What you're about to hear is what the late great Baptist evangelist Mordecai Ham called the Devil's Bible. Because he quoted from it, he was hounded and vilified everywhere he preached. Published by Small Maynard and Company, once a great publishing house in America, in 1920, it is entitled, quote, The Protocols and World Revolution, end quote, including a translation and analyses of the protocols of the meetings of the Zionist men of wisdom. A study of the background of the protocols is another subject. In the voice rendering, I make no claim to the correctness of pronunciation where French or Russian words are used. I will convey them to the best of my ability. Where the word goy, G-O-Y, is used, you will remember the word is Jewish for Gentile. And now let us turn to the book at hand, the title page, reading thusly. Protocols and World Revolution, including a translation and analyses of the protocols of the meetings of the Zionist men of wisdom. Boston, Small Maynard and Company, Publishers. Copyright 1920 by Small Maynard and Company, all rights reserved. Then the translators incorporate the title page from Sarge Nihilus' book. And I read this for you. 
It is entitled, quote, It is near at the door. Matthew 24, 33, Mark 13, 29, Luke 21, 31, Revelation 1, 3, Daniel 12, 4. Concerning something people do not wish to believe and which is so near. The fourth edition of the book, quote, nears the coming of Antichrist and the kingdom of the devil on earth, end quote, revised and considerably augmented by later researches and investigation. Sarge Nihilus, dedicated to the small herd of Christ. Then the quotation from 1 Solomon 5.4 and Matthew 24.13, Ye brethren, do not remain in the dark, so that the day of the Lord shall not catch ye as thieves. He who suffers to the end shall be saved. The town of Sargev. And now we go into part one. The introductory statement by Small Maynard and Company. The world is in the midst of a crisis not less serious than that of the Great War. While it was inevitable that the period following the war should be fraught with grave problems for civilization, these problems have been made much more difficult by the presence of a new danger, namely the destructive force of Bolshevism. Russia was the first victim of what proved to be a movement of an international character. Russia being used as the base of operations. While powerful Bolshevist armies are overrunning Asia and menacing the European countries to the West, an equally dangerous force of red propagandists directed from Moscow is operating on several continents, spreading its social poison throughout the world and threatening the destruction of the social and industrial morale of the civilized nations. With the triumph of the Bolshevist revolution in Russia, A group of internationalists, most of whom were members of the Jewish race, seized the machinery of government and have held it ever since. The complete destruction of Russian civilization, which for centuries had been essentially a Christian civilization, and the reduction of the great majority of the Russian people to a state of abject misery and ruin, are accomplished facts. The Bolshevist leaders, however, not content with this destruction and the establishment of a cruel despotism, in Russia, are making every effort to extend their revolution and their control to other countries. The Communist Revolution in Hungary under Bela Cohen, alias Kuhn, a confessed ally and agent of Trotsky, was not terminated until it had wrought great havoc in that country. The same is true of the Spartacan Revolt in Germany, where recently the struggle broke out anew and assumed the character of a formidable civil war. Holland and Italy are today seriously threatened with uprisings inspired by the Bolsheviki, while in France the government has been compelled to expel the Bolshevist agents in large numbers. In the United States, revolutionary agitation directly guided and fomented by agents of Lenin and Trotsky and subsidized with ample funds recently reached such proportions that the federal government was forced to take strong measures, including hundreds of arrests and deportations. The enemy is in our midst. In this country, as elsewhere, alien agitators who are either Bolshevists themselves or emissaries of the Bolsheviki have wormed their way into some of the loyal labor organizations or put themselves at the head of the socialist or other radical political parties, artificially stimulating social unrest and seeking to turn industrial strikes into political upheavals, leading to revolution and anarchy. Shall America be as slow to realize the real danger of international Bolshevism as she was to recognize the menace of German imperialism? 
Shall America again be unprepared? We must be ready to meet the danger at our doors and, if necessary, to suppress it in our midst with physical force, just as was necessary in the struggle with the Prussian militarism. It has been said, however, and perhaps truly, that Bolshevism cannot be met by force alone, certainly to meet it effectively as nature must be understood. To this end, it is necessary to analyze the movement carefully and to discover its underlying causes and, if possible, the predominating cause. From the very beginning, there was an element of mystery in the Bolshevist revolution in Russia. Was it essentially an attempt to put into effect the principles of international socialism as promulgated by Karl Marx? Was it a disguised form of proletarian imperialism? Did it aim at the complete destruction of Christian civilization? Or finally, was it a long-planned, gigantic revolt of the Jewish race against Christendom and its institutions? From the very start, there was a terrible method in the madness of Trotsky and those in league with him. Many of their moves, which at the time seemed inexplicable, afterwards appeared logical enough when their objects became apparent. The world was puzzled by Trotsky's famous remark at Breath Litovsk, when he said, no peace, no war. Later, however, the real meaning became known. No war on Germany, no peace for Russia or the rest of the world. That the Bolshevist revolution was from the beginning almost entirely led and controlled by Jews is a fact which has gradually thrust itself upon the attention of the world. The Jews, in many instances, have admitted the dominating role which members of their race have played in an international Bolshevism and have sought to defend it. Some of their recognized leaders have proclaimed their pride in Trotsky. The fact that the Jewish race has taken such an active part in the Russian Bolshevist movement with its international ramifications has been attributed in some quarters to the motive of revenge on the part of the Jews for what they regard as a long era of persecution. If this be so, is it impossible that Jews in various parts of the world imagine that now is their chance not only for revenge but for world domination? The Arab covenants with which Trotsky and other Jewish leaders are proceeding with their drastic program in Russia is significant. Significant also is the enthusiastic support which is being given to the Soviet rule by various Jewish elements and groups outside of Russia. Whether this co correlated movement of the Jews in support of Bolshevism is not being carried out on some concerted plan is a question of importance which warrants careful study and investigation. No facts which can possibly throw light upon this question should be disregarded. For this reason, it is timely to consider the contents and origin of a document of extraordinary interest, which, though made public in Russia some 15 years ago, is generally unknown elsewhere. The document referred to is entitled, quote, The Protocols of the Meetings of the Zionist Men of Wisdom, end quote, and was published for the first time in 1905 at Sarkozy Selo in a Russian book entitled, quote, The Great in the Little, end quote, written by Sarge Nihilus, a well-known Russian author. The protocol set forth a comprehensive program for the substantial destruction of all Christian states and proposed certain practical methods for achieving world domination by the Jewish nation. So far as is known, the protocols have never been repudiated publicly by recognized Jewish authorities. Quite recently, the well-known firm of Ari and Spottiswood, Limited, printers for the British government, published a pamphlet under the title, quote, The Jewish Peril, 
Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, end quote. In the preface of this pamphlet, it is explained that the protocols referred to were translated from the Russian into English from Sarge Nihilus's book, which appeared in Russia in 1905. While the editors do not give the title of Nihilus's book, they say, quote, a copy of the original may be seen at the British Museum Library under number 3926-D-17, stamped British Museum, 10th of August, 1906. They state also that the publication of the English pamphlet at present is justified by the growing menace of Bolshevism throughout the world. The pamphlet concludes with the warning, Gentiles beware, end quote. It seems obvious that the publishers, Irie and Spottiswood Limited, have used Nihilus's book, The Great and the Little, published in Russia in 1905. A specific reference to the protocols is to be found also in the French weekly magazine, La Vielle France, number 160, published in February 1920. In the editorial article entitled, The Jews Have Created Bolshevism, pages 10 through 13, the following extract from the Zionist Protocols as published by Nihilus is given in French. The article asserts that Bolshevism is nothing but a phase of Judaism and also states that the Jewish Bolshevist leaders in Russia were subsidized by Jewish banking houses in the United States and Germany. In January 1917, Mr. Nihilus published another book under the title, It Is Near at the Door. And in the book, the Protocols were again published in full. A reproduction of the title page of this book is inserted at the beginning of this volume. While the protocols are generally unknown here, it is worthy of note that on October the 27th, 28th, 1919, the Philadelphia Public Ledger printed long excerpts from them in an article calling the attention of the American people to the document and to the terrible program which it presents. The article in the ledger was somewhat misleading, however, since it was published under the captions quote, Red Bible, end quote, and quote, Bolshevist propaganda, end quote. All words in the text itself indicating that the protocols were of Jewish origin were omitted. The Hebrew word goyes signifying Gentiles used in the protocols nowhere appears in the ledger article. Furthermore, wherever in the protocols the expressions our people or we, meaning Jewish people or the Jews, are used, the author of the article makes it clear that the people thus referred to are the Bolshevists and speaks of the protocols as a Russian document, which clearly it is not. Mr. Nihilus shows that the protocols came into his hands in 1901. In 1901, the Bolshevist party did not exist, for it was founded only in 1903 and was not really organized for work until several years later. Nowhere in the protocols does the word Bolshevist appear. While the word Jews is used many times, although the writer more frequently uses the word we when speaking of the Jews, there is only one hypothesis upon which the protocols could possibly be considered Bolshevist, namely, that the Bolshevist movement was of Jewish origin, in which case the plan outlined in the protocols might have become Bolshevist by a doctor. The very fact that a document purporting to be written by a Jew for Jews could be so easily described as Bolshevist propaganda is of interest. Now, for the first time, the document entitled by Mr. Nihilus, quote, Protocols of the Meetings of the Zionist Men of Wisdom, end quote, is published in full in the United States, correctly translated from the Russian. For this purpose, we have used the Russian text as it appears in Mr. Nihilus's book, It is Near at the Door, 1917, published in the printing office, 
Osviato Trotsky Monastery. Before proceeding to examine the contents of the protocols, let us briefly give Mr. Nihilus' account of the way in which they came into his possession and of his views in regard to their origin. Mr. Nihilus, at pages 86 to 92 of his book, It Is Near at the Door, states that he received the manuscript containing the protocols of the meetings of the Zionist Men of Wisdom in 1901 from Mr. Alexis Nikolovic Sokotin, at one time Marshal of Nobility in the district of Kern, Central Russia, and later Vice Governor of the government of Stavropol, South Russia, and that when giving the manuscript to Mr. Nihilus, Mr. Sokotin said, quote, Take it into your full possession. Read it. Become inspired and make out of it something useful to the Christian soul. Otherwise, it might remain with me unused. From a political standpoint, it is useless, for it is too late to act on it. From a spiritual standpoint, however, it might be otherwise. In your hands, with God's help, it will bear fruit, end quote. Mr. Nihilus states that Mr. Sokotin told him that the manuscript was originally obtained by a lady whose name is not given and who, he said, obtained it in a mysterious way. Mr. Nihilus showed it to several Russians of high standing, one of whom said, quote, Slavdom has not yet spoken its last word, and therefore, no matter how cunning and strong the Zionist men of wisdom may be, their efforts are doomed to failure, and for this reason there is no need to despair, end quote. Mr. Nihilus states that prior to 1905, he submitted the protocols to the Grand Duke Sarge Alexandrovich, who having examined them, sent him a message of two words only, quote, too late, end quote. Subsequently, Mr. Nihilus made several attempts to call the attention of the proper officials to the contents of this document, but without result. In 1905, he published the second edition of this book, The Great and the Little. In this edition, the protocols were for the first time incorporated. In his last book, Mr. Nihilus writes, quote, These protocols produced a scarcely noticeable impression upon the world outside of the Christian church. The periodical press, which is in the main in Jewish hands, are under the guidance and influence of the Jews, sought to conceal their publication. Scarcely mentioning them or referring to them as a fallacious invention or a fairy tale. Among loyal Christians, however, the protocols bore fruit and created a success for my book far greater than could have been anticipated. For they spread the knowledge of the hidden mysteries of our time in a wide circle to those belonging to the Christian family. Since then, my book, with all the protocols, has appeared in its fourth edition. But only now I learn authoritatively from Jewish sources that these protocols are nothing else than a strategic plan for the conquest of the world, putting it under the yoke of Israel, the struggler against God, a plan worked out by the leaders of the Jewish people during the many centuries of their dispersion and finally presented to the Council of Elders by the Prince of Exile, Theodore Herzl, at the time of the First Zionist Congress summoned by him at Basel in August 1897, end quote. Again, he writes, end quote, In what way these documents constituting the Holy of Holies of the hopes of Israel, the century-old mystery of its leaders, reached the general mass of the uninitiated has not been ascertained. As already mentioned, they were given to me in 1901. 
In that year, in circular, number 18, as well in other, as in others dispatched to the Zionist on behalf of the Zionist Actions Committee, Theodore Herzl stated that certain confidential information, notwithstanding the admonition, had not been kept secret and had been given undesirable publicity. Finally, Mr. Nihilus declares, <clears throat> end quote, the protocols are signed by the Zionist representatives of the 33rd highest degree of initiation. These protocols were secretly removed from the complete file of protocols, which, as we now know, pertain to the first Zionist Congress held in Basel in August 1897. All this was taken from the secret vaults at the main Zionist office, which at present is located in French territory, end quote. In 1918, the protocols were again published in Russian by a book publishing firm, the Sentinel, at Novo Cherkask, South Russia. The pamphlet referred to bears the title Zionist Protocols, the plans for the conquest of the universe by Judeo-Masons. In the introduction to the pamphlet, it is stated, the protocols are a program carefully worked out in all its details for the conquest of the universe by the Jews. The greater part of this program has already been realized. And if we will not come back to our senses, we are inevitably doomed, end quote. In the concluding part of this introduction, the publisher state as follows, quote, the protocols indeed are not only the key to our first unsuccessful revolution, but they are also the key to the second in which Jewry played such a sinister role for Russia. For us who are witnesses of the self-destruction of Russia, for us who hope for her regeneration, this document is all the more significant as it discloses the means of the enemies of Christendom for our enslavement. Only after having obtained the knowledge of the means, it may become possible to successfully combat the enemies of Christ and of Christian culture, end quote. There is not, and in the nature of the case there hardly can be, any direct evidence as to the authenticity of the protocols. There is, however, a considerable body of facts having a bearing upon this question, which the publishers of this book put before the reader, leaving him to draw his own conclusions. The facts to which we refer may be roughly grouped under three heads. Quote, A. There is a remarkable similarity between the policies of destruction outlined in the protocols and the actual measures of destruction put into effect by the Bolshevist regime in Russia. And there is evidence that this regime is under the control of Jewish leaders. B. There is also a striking parallelism between certain passages in the protocols and the statements of recognized Jewish leaders, both religious and political, appearing in their published writings and speeches. C. Finally, certain Jewish activities outside of Russia coincide in a remarkable degree with certain parts of the protocols. In part two of this volume, Evidence under these various heads is set forth. This evidence, however, can be intelligently considered only after a careful study of the protocols themselves, a translation of which appears in the following pages, preceded by a short summary prepared for the convenience of the reader. Summary of the Protocol The title under which the protocols are presented in Mr. Nihilus' text, according to the literal translation from the Russian, is, quote, Protocols of the Meetings of the Zionist Men of Wisdom, end quote. The word protocol can be used in several senses. 
But in the present case, the context would indicate that the word means simply the written minutes of certain meetings, such as meetings of the Zionist men of wisdom. The arrangement is in 24 separate protocols, each protocol apparently recording the contents of an address to the meeting by one of its members. The context would also indicate that all the addresses were delivered by the same person, and it should also be noted that each protocol deals with a more or less distinct part of one complete subject, like the chapter of a book. In the first protocol, it is stated that the speaker undertakes to formulate, quote, our system both from our point of view and from that of the goys, end quote. The word goys or goyims is an old Hebrew word signifying Gentiles or persons who are not Jews. All of the following protocols, whether they are the utterances of the same person who speaks in the first protocol or not, are a continuation of the same general subject. Taking the set of documents as a whole, they clearly purport to formulate a strategic plan for united action of the Jews as a nation or a people to obtain certain ends. These ends are nothing less than complete political and religious domination of the world. The means by which this universal domination is to be achieved are set forth with great clearness and considerable elaboration. The document as a whole is of the most extraordinary character, and while to some readers it may seem fanatical or visionary, others will be more impressed with its profound cleverness, with the cold logic of the reasoning, and with the general orderliness of statement and argument, indicating that the work, whatever underlying motive may be, is the result of careful thought and mature deliberation. The strategic plan of action is Machiavellian and ruthless in the extreme and is expressly founded on the proposition that might is right and that politics have nothing in common with morals. It is also explicitly stated that the end in view is to subjugate all government to our super government and the Jewish super government is to be an autocracy with a Jewish sovereign at its head. Briefly summarized, the means by which the world domination is to be achieved are as follows. Number one, the national power of non-Jewish states is to be broken down by the fomenting of internal revolutions through appeal to class hatred and by pretended efforts to obtain greater freedom and privileges for certain classes of the people using the words liberty, equality, and fraternity, merely as catchword to gain recruits for the Jewish cause. Autocratic governments which alone are strong, must be weakened in the first instance by the introduction of liberalism, which will pave the way to anarchy. Number two, all wars must be shifted to an economic basis, allowing no territorial advantages to result from war, and thus tending to make the Jewish control of wealth the determining factor in war. Number three, the Jewish international rights are to be strengthened at the expense of the national rights of the several Gentile nations. Number four, the non-Jewish states are to be further weakened by promoting faults and conflicting political policies, by obtaining secret control over the actions of public officials, by manipulation of the press, and by the gradual elimination of free speech. Number five, the authority of governments where liberalism prevails is to be weakened by the destruction of religion other than the Jewish religion, since it is the conservative and moral force which makes liberal governments possible. Number six, in order to overcome the resistance of those states which are unwilling to make submission to the new Jewish power, there must be no hesitation in resorting to violence, cunning, 
hypocrisy, bribery, fraud, and treason, or to the seizure of the property of others. Number seven, the destruction of the social and economic structure of Christian states will also be brought about by the destruction of industrial prosperity through speculation and constant strikes, throwing masses of workmen out of employment, artificially raising wages, thus increasing the cost of the necessaries of life, and finally by bringing about a general economic crisis and the disorganization of financial systems. The financial strength of the various non-Jewish states will also be undermined by causing them to overburden themselves with foreign and national loans on an ever-increasing scale, which will ultimately lead to bankruptcy. Eight, upon the social and political chaos created by these various means, a Jewish dictatorship is to be gradually built up, principally through the terrible Jewish power of the purse and through the other great Jewish powers of control over the press and over the revolutionary labor movements. Nine, during the period of transition from Gentile to Jewish political control in every state, there will be a secret government by the Jews, brought about through the manipulation of the press, misleading public opinion, mass terror, weakening the initiative of the Gentiles, misdirecting their education, and sowing discord among them. And now we come to the actual 24 protocols that we will read and record for you as printed in this book. Protocol. So you tell me, that's just 25 minutes in. You tell me what you think. Does that sound like what we are experiencing today. In my opinion, it does. It really, truly does. So, till we meet again, this is TJ, you have listened to TJ Sweetwater's Truth, podcast where we tell the truth, even if it hurts.